0: What the truck! You are
1: listening to Why the truck.
2: Are you ready to truck it? It's time for your Nooner with Dooner. I'll all a great weekend. I did. My my kids school had this this big festival, you know? People always like crap on public schools, but I'm of the opinion that communities make them, and our community showed up, and my kids go to a great one. Um, speaking of school, speaking of math, I got a number of the day. So California okays the advanced clean fleet rule, but wait a minute. Harbor Trucking Association's Matt Schrapp has our number of the day. He says, I'm no math whiz, but California Energy Commission has stated 157,000 medium and heavy duty charges will be needed by 2030 to support the fleet. Unfortunately, we are parsecs away from that number. If that milestone is to be reached, that equates to over 400 chargers to be installed each week starting tomorrow. Just saying. So look, if we want to hit these targets, you got to get on this now. Um, I know that there's been a lot of pushback lately and it's not necessarily the Drage community hates the environment or something. It's just the reality that we need to be able to service these vehicles. And if you look at those numbers, the timelines are not adding up. Could be headed towards the Titanic. Speaking of Titanics, check it out. Put mine up on a floating shelf, no less. (laughs) No pun intended there, but I guess I'll have to look by. uh, I guess the iceberg for that would be like someone walking by. There's a table about like three feet to the right of where that thing's hanging. So yeah, it's version of getting destroyed. Maybe one of my kids jumping under it, but I hope that's okay. We got a ton going on to this show today Uh, on deck. I'm talking to federal maritime commissioner, Carl Bensel about his just released maritime data, uh, sorry, maritime transportation data initiative report. He's been working tough on this and in it, he asked the question, why can't we track ocean freight With the same way that we track Domino's Pizza with their pizza tracker, we'll figure out what he's looking for, what that data means, and what's inside the report. With the advent of open AI, marketing is getting much more sophisticated. We'll talk about some of those trends with Hawk Media founder and CEO Eric Huberman. FetchGoat, they're a real-time last-mile delivery and monitoring management company. We're joined by their co-founder and CEO, Bill Hale, to learn... Uh, The latest in Last Mile Freight. We'll also learn how they may be using open AI in this space. A lot of AI talk recently. Sonar has a big announcement about new integration feature launch. Uh, Freightways Paul Howard's in town. He's going to share the good word. Plus, we get cheetahs versus robot dogs, immaculate tarp work, and all sorts of other crap. So, let's tip the band, and we'll get over to Bill. Supply chain challenges are not always easy. But the commitment from the team over at Dunavant Logistics to take on that responsibility is unwavering. Donovan. Logistically speaking, they're at the center of it all. Visit them at Donovan.com. But right now, let's visit Bill Hale, co-founder and CEO at Fetch Goat. Give me your best bar, Bill.
1: Good. <laughs> you don't want that today, believe me.
2: You don't want... I, <laughs> you, you know what? You? I, liked, I liked how you tied in Goat Simulator 3 to an Xbox at a recent giveaway at one of your booths.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that was, uh, that was a winner for sure. And a uh, lucky guy. I mean... Don't Talk about, you know, coming home with uh, hotel soap and shampoo. I got I come home with an Xbox.
2: No, and if he's got kids, man, he's going to like dad's dad's the hero. That beats like a squishy truck.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the good folks at the ECA. Uh, they, uh, they did well with that one. That was great. Bill, what part of the world are you sitting at today? So I'm uh, at my home in Fort Worth, Texas. So mm. we have uh, we have obviously I'm here. We have uh, all of our development is done in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia. So we have our whole development staff that's there, uh, including my uh, co-founder and CTO, Chris Malin. Uh, So they sit there uh, just outside of Atlanta.
2: Yeah, well, you are the co-founder, and I talk to a lot of founders. So you must have, like, for example, I have a routine. Every morning I eat a banana. I drink 32 ounces of water. I I have all these different superstitions Mm -hmm. I got to do before the show. What is a founder like yours? What is your morning routine?
1: Goodness, I'm a, a routine guy. So uh, stems from military days, but you know I'm usually up between 4:30 and 5 a.m. Uh, I review my day, uh, make sure that I'm, I'm squared away and, and ready to go. Uh, <clears throat> answer some emails from the night before, and then uh, head off. Uh, after that, I head off for a walk uh, every morning with uh, my dog Bob, and uh, and also my father-in-law. Uh, I live in the country. Uh, my father-in-law lives uh, on the property as well at the other end and uh, so we walk every morning and uh and then after that <clears throat> home shower and ready to go
2: smart man you know they, they i was just looking at like a a brainwave chart that they were showing of people who walk your brain activity goes up significantly when you just start taking a stroll bill
1: yeah you know it's it's interesting and and i do it i mean look the side benefit is for me but the true benefit is for bob you know um, he's a rescue and so i read somewhere that if Um, if you walk a dog five miles, um, they will get more energy spent out of them. If you let them just kind of hang around and sniff things for 15 minutes. So we take a leisurely walk. Bob gets to check out, you know, everything and, uh, gets to smell his way around and, and, uh, and he gets more enjoyment out of it than we do. It's well, Hey, what, what, what's fetch goat then? Why didn't you call it fetch Bob? True. True. Bob would be a good mascot, but, uh, you know, with with everything today in, in marketing being you know about the goat, uh, we thought we'd capitalize on on the goat. I wanted a mascot, uh, you know, because it's a lot of fun with marketing. Um, you know, uh, hence the Goat Simulator three. But um, yeah, so we we built the company to solve the biggest issue for companies that use multiple delivery providers, and that is we monitor our monitor and manage. Uh, all those delivery providers into a single dashboard. And so it doesn't mean that company's broken. It means that our industry is broken. You know, uh, our industry has so many different technology products out there. And there's not one TMS or tech that's out there that has double digit market share. And so, you know, we think we're solving a big problem here.
2: Was there a moment, uh, an epiphany that you had when you decided to start this company or like there has to be a better way. How did Fetch Goat come to you?
1: So it, collectively, so I've got, uh, you know, my co-founders and, and I, you know, we all are, are long time ind- industry folks. You know, we just didn't pop up um, I'm a 30 year industry guy. One of the biggest takeaways that we all had collectively was we would go to visit a shipper. We'd always go into a conference room, visit with the shipper. Then we'd go outside and meet the team, right? And the team were the folks that were calling all the carriers, uh, getting status updates, uh, trying to retrieve PODs, find lost shipments. But it was all manual. And it was manual because because of us, the the carriers were broken. You know, the industry is broken and there's so, so fragmented and so many different choices for technology that um, it forces the shippers into a difficult situation to manage that process with people.
2: Interesting. What, let me ask you: What is going on in final final mile right now? Because we talk about trucking so much, and and obviously what's going on in OTR, and we talk about ocean freight and what's going on there, and even like a, the big news recently has been some of the earnings reports and and some of the financials put out by the integrators like the UPS yeah. and the FedEx of the world. What are you seeing in twenty twenty three Is this a much different landscape?
1: Oh yeah, it's. I, I think we're. Uh, I think we're certainly set up for big change. You know, and, and the interesting thing and, and part of our timing aspect from, from Fetchgoat standpoint was, you know, we knew that there's going to be change eventually because carrier diversification has been talked about for the last couple of years. But it's a reality now. You know, I never in all my years would have thought that I would see, you know, FedEx in trouble. Not that they're in trouble, but to see FedEx, you know, in the position that they're in today. Uh, same thing with, with UPS. I never thought I would see them having, you know, double digit um, you know, double digit declines, you know. And so, you know, today with technology, the way technology is, you have the ability to really diversify your carrier base. And and it's a reality now. So it's it's you know, not a pipe dream, you can do it. And and shippers are doing it every single day. And we're seeing all that data flow through the goat.
2: You know, everyone has ever since chat GPT went, went viral, everyone's talking about it, everyone wants some open AI integration, you know, it, it does to some people, it seems a little buzzword word E. Are you finding a good use of open AI within final mile? And if so, how are you using it?
1: Oh, we are, we are. Well, first of all, um, my co-founder, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Malin is brilliant. He, he and his team are doing a, an amazing job. They're using it a couple of different ways. So <clears throat> number one, we're using machine learning and AI to predict late delivery. So a delivery will have a profile. We use historical data to, and and dissect that data, what caused that shipment to be late. And then we, we use that moving forward using machine learning to have the system look at the profile of a shipment. And when it starts to exhibit that profile of a potential late shipment, the system will flag it. And so, and then, we use Chat GPT. Once that once that shipment is flagged, Chat GPT will uh, will pin an email to the customer or to the stakeholders and tell them, "Hey, this particular shipment shows all the all the possibilities of a late shipment. It's kind of setting up the perfect storm here. Um, so just be aware. What would you like to do? And then the, uh, then Chat will take that information back into the system and educate the um, the carrier on what to do per a customer's request. So we're also using it to uh, improve productivity for the developers as well. So it has dual uses, but uh, we're trying to use it for good.
2: Well, when I was an entry writer, you know, it's like most of my time was spent uh, answering questions to people. Where is my shipment? Where has it cleared customs, exactly. right? Has the DO gone out yet? Where is the truck? And and the challenge was always that a lot of these intermediaries aren't even connected either. So um I think one thing that people shouldn't look too lightly on is how this is being integrated because uh mm-hmm. so it's such a time sink.
1: It it is, it absolutely is. And and that's what we're trying to do. So we built this, we built this technology to benefit not only the shipper, but also the carrier. And so if we can reduce phone calls outbound from the shipper and phone calls and emails inbound to the carrier, then it's going to improve productivity all the way around. And so that's our ultimate goal.
2: Interesting. What do you think the hardest challenge in final mile is right now that your team has to solve?
1: Um, to continue marching towards our goal. You know, and you nailed it earlier, Duner, when you said that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, questions right now with FedEx and UPS and, and we'll just call it the integrators and in that integrator world. There's tremendous opportunity in, in last mile and and we have to do it right. Uh, cause we, if not, they'll, they'll st- take a step back and say, told you so. So we have to do it right. And so, you know, if you look at the largest delivery network in the world, it's not FedEx and UPS. It's actually all of those last mile, um, you know, agents and those cartage agents in every single community around the world and around the country. And however, we need to connect them all under one technology. And so that's what we're trying to accomplish at Fetch Goat. Wow. You got a
2: survival tip in this space as, as things could be a little, t- little
1: tough and tight for people? You got to have a sense of humor. <laughs> you know, a, a, also a part of that routine uh, in the morning is uh, I, I have to rate the strap work. Yeah, And uh, and I, I, look, I look forward to that. <laughs> well, hey, do you want, do you want to
2: hit the wheel of stupid question? It's it's your first time on the show, right? I mean, I, I think we got to spin the wheel.
1: Okay, all right, all right let's, let's spin the wheel. All
2: right, let's let, let's see what we come up with, and let's hope I can read my own handwriting too. What do we got here? Your last minor injury kills you. What was it?
1: Ooh, you know what? Um, I I yes, even at my age, I ride dirt bikes, and so have been since I was six years old. And uh, so bought a new a new KTM. And uh, in in my first ride on the KTM, I dumped it and cracked a couple of ribs. Oh, so and and I thought I was going to die. Wow.
2: Yeah. Ribs are tough, man. Each time you try to breathe out of your lungs, it's it's, it's hell, right?
1: Yes. Move, breathe, set up, lay down, you name it. It was painful, oh. very painful. Oh. So That's since then, Bill, the, the whole Fedsco team says uh, no more. Well, I'm glad you're on the road to
2: recovery. People who want to learn more about FetchGo, they like what they heard you say, and they want to, you know, empower their final mile. Where do I send them to?
1: Oh, come to LinkedIn. Follow Follow FetchGo on LinkedIn. Uh, that we'll always have the most up to date information. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn as well, because uh, we push the push all of that information. Or they can come to our website at fetchgo.com.
2: Beautiful. Hey, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for uh, rating the scrap work every day, and I uh, enjoy you sharing your routine and what's oh, yeah. going on in Final Mile. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Duner. Take it easy. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, I was today years old when I learned that the serrated edges of crackers are used to cut cheese.
1: 26 years get so close right now. For 26 years, I've been doing everything incorrectly, and I'm just now recently learning about it, right? Because sure enough, when I heard this, of course, I had to contact Ritz as a company. I got a hold of somebody that worked for Ritz, and I said, hey, is it true that your guys' crackers have serrated edges so that it can cut cheese? Guess what they told me? They said that they already released a statement a year ago confirming, right, that that's what the crackers were used for, right? Literally, look it up. There's a statement that already proved that that's why the crackers have those edges. Right? And guess what they told me? They said, "Why do you think we made Ritz crackers look like that?" I'm like, "I don't know cuz they just looked cool." They told me not to quit my day job. They also told me that the crackers cut best on sharp cheddar, Colby jack cheese, and pepper jack cheese. So try that out.
2: Okay, did you know this, Paul? Did you know that you can cut cheese with a Ritz cracker and that's
3: the entire point of the serrated edges? Hey, that makes a ton of sense to me. <laughs> I mean, I've never tried it, but I'm going to do it right when I get home. Is that a feature or a bug? I'm going to call that a boat. Well, no, we're going to go feature.
2: <laughs> Paul, where are you in here from? It's, it's Paul Howard. He's a senior product marketing manager over at Freightways. Where are you joining us from today?
3: Uh, I've, I've took one too many flights out of Boise, Idaho to get in here. Ooh. So it's always fun. Big potato guy. What goes on in Boise? A lot of potatoes. A lot yeah. of potatoes? No, it's a, you know, Boise is actually pretty awesome that way. I'm, there's no potatoes there at all.
2: Well, you guys are the smart guys, and I'll just try to follow along here. What is what's this new announcement? What's going on in Sonar?
3: Yeah, so uh, our Sonar's marketing or uh, pr- partnerships and integrations team has has gone out and invested a ton of time working with a lot of different TMSs to to create integrations for Sonar's leading data. So FreightWave Sonar, first of all, um, for those who aren't paying attention, has more than two hundred billion dollars in freight spend data. They've, they've dumped it into a system. They put so many different ways to, to leverage that data to understand what's going on in the world around us, transportation. So today, we're here to talk about integrations of track spot rate data. Okay. All right.
2: Before we get there, what's track?
3: Yeah. So track is uh, an uh, it's called Trusted Rate Assessment Consortium. Okay. And so uh, twenty five more than twenty five percent of leading brokers and three pls have uh, daily given us their uh, booking data. So actual. Load booking data, not invoices, not outdated, not posted, try, whatever. It's their actual booking data. They've given it to us, and we consolidate that information together. We give it uh, data engineering and AI and all that fun stuff, and then we we deliver that back out. Um, and it's the most trusted, most accurate, most up to date spot rate data on the market today. So, with this
2: new announcement, how like I'm a Sonar user, how does this help me?
3: Yeah. So the big difference is. Um, Putting it where people actually would use it, right? Yeah. So it's into uh, what's what's going on today is it's a free integration of this data into a dozen different TMSs, and this impacts the day to day users, right? So you can think about like um, executives who have time to go and look at analyze high level market demand and some really cool data and Sonar. That's that's great, but the day to day user, the the average broker, 3PL agent, et cetera, they're, they're living and breathing in the TMS, right? And so they need that data right where it's at, where they can build the load and post it and manage it. And, and leveraging daily booking data rather than 30, 90-day-old rates, that's, that's a huge difference for these guys. They don't, they don't have time to go out to all the other sources to, to manage rate data, right? Mm-hmm. And so having it right there in front of them in their system is going to be a game-changer.
2: Let's take a look at it. I'll show this first uh, for screenshot here and, and tell me what what is this? What am I seeing?
3: Yeah, so we're looking at market dashboard inside Sonar. This is not what's going to be inside the TMS, but you can see is the trend line for that, that green hover, that, that radius there is the high and the low for the spot rate data over time in this lane. And track data gives you the lane confidence score, which is one to five. Based on how confident we are in the rate that we're giving you, based on the volume and the radius, that sort of thing. And a lot of these TMSs also give you in a lane score, which will help you understand the, the you know, the volumes and the demand, uh, the origin and destination. So the guys, they're not using gut feel anymore, right? They're they're actually using real data to make actionable, you know, decisions when they're bidding to a shipper or to a carrier or anywhere in between. Let's take a look at another one. All right, what's that do? Yeah, it's very very similar data here, and in and, and in the system you can see over time we're also comparing track spot rates with contract rates on every single lane, and we're we're gathering this information, and we're we're uh, you see it all day long on, on FreightWaves TV, right? All the different ways that we're able to leverage this data. Well, we're putting the most actionable information in front of users where they're living and breathing all day long. Cool. Let's take a look at another one here. Yeah, we got some maps. Yeah, so we got we got maps, and and you can see the information in, inside this. The confidence score is right there in front of users in the system. Um, we're able to. What's a good confidence score? Well, a five would be a good confidence okay. score. Okay. Okay. And and you want you you want that? And most of these anymore are four or five out of five because we have we've got over a million different one point one million unique lanes in sonar data, and um, every single one of these track lanes has like at least five, if not seven contributors, and no contributor can give more than 25% of the data on any individual lane. So you don't have some big broker sharing all of the data, you know, and-, and Yeah, someone
2: just dumps 50,000 lanes in there, it
3: massively skews the average, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would really mess it up. And, and I mean, I, I experienced that myself when I was uh, looking at data back when I was at a broker that might not be named- <laughs> um, we would dump in our data into the system, and I would look a lot at that. So I'm pricing bids out, looking at my own data, which is good. But I want to look at what everybody's doing, not sure. just what I'm doing, right? Yeah, you know. And so that's a huge difference maker in the system, and and it's solid data that can actually be trusted, and it's the most up to date. Again, I can say it over and over again. Sure. Yesterday's well, yesterday's rates. Well, so how how do people start using this now? So uh, all these different partner TMSs. I have put this uh, right there on their own website we're pushing that out there as well so sonar at um, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of different stuff on the socials on the interwebs and so we're going to communicate out with the free trial get get started now it goes right now through July 1 okay so um, get signed up get that rolling with your TMS. And then we're going to trickle that down to the agents, make sure they know what they're doing, how to use it, how to leverage it, how to win more business or make better margins, that sort of thing.
2: Paul, I already spun the wheel of stupid questions today. Came up
3: on if your last injury were to kill you, your last minor injury, what, how would you have died? So uh, moving my daughter's uh, bed into her room, I picked up the headboard and jumped out the back of my truck, Ooh. holding the headboard, okay? Yeah. All right. And the top part of the headboard breaks off, and the bottom part lands directly on my big toe. And, uh, you know, uh, some sort of disease, and you know, infects me and, and takes me out from there. Terrible way to go, Paul.
2: <laughs> Terrible way to go. Well, thanks for coming on. Everyone check out Sonar. Uh, what is it? Sonar.freightwaves.com? Yes, sir. All right. Go check out sonar.freightwaves.com. You have a safe trip back to Idaho. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming up. Thanks for coming up. Now, speaking of people who have just been flying around, my next guest, Eric Huberman, founder and CEO over at Auk Media, he just got back from Panama look look how look at his style on this man. show that picture I want to look at that look at that drip right there. He's got the perfect hat. he's got the perfect outfit. you could wear that to Panama. you can wear that to Kentucky Derby. Eric, how was your trip man?
4: <laughs> it was a great time. um Panama's a cool city. I've been all over Latin America and uh, it's kind of what you'd expect for like a logistics hub like it's like it's the the logistics hub of the world and so uh, it's got a ton of booming business. It's a really cool modern city. Uh, and not that this, this isn't sort of an obscure comparison, but it's like the Singapore of Latin America. So if you've been to Singapore and not Panama, <laughs> that might help, but, um, yeah, it was really cool. Great food, great people, great vibes, super fun. Yeah, but if you're fond- did you happen to go to the so canal? If you saw- did you take a canal tour? Uh, we did more than that. We jumped on a helicopter with this military pilot, flew around the canals and then flew up through the jungle at about 20 feet off the ground. There was on social too, where it's like we were carving through the jungle, literally 20 feet off the ground. Just like it was one of, I'm a pilot. It's one of the craziest things I've ever done in an aircraft. It was super fun.
2: Those like Gatton lakes locks. They're just such a, uh, such a engineering marvel. I mean, they will raise, you know, I forgot what the the
4: weight was. It was like 45,000 tons or something or 4,500 tons. Those boats and they'll raise them seven stories in 10 minutes. Like, it's just like, it's pretty crazy.
2: So were you were you out there on, on business or pleasure? Were you launching like a new marketing campaign, trying to rope in the logistics yeah. community? It's with a, a
4: group called YPO. Um, it's a young president's organization. So I wouldn't really call it business though. It's like a group of entrepreneurs that we all kind of look out for each other and help each other out. And once a year we go on a trip and try to pick someplace new and exotic to go learn and go meet some of the local businesses and then go have some fun, too, and check it out. So that, that's where I came from.
2: For those who don't know, what, what
4: do you guys do over at Hawk? Yeah, so Hawk Media, we're basically an outsourced CMO and marketing team to brands. So we go into companies, identify holes in what they're doing on the marketing side, and then spin up different experts a la carte month to month. So it could be a Facebook marketer, an email marketer, a web designer, a fractional CMO, etc. We're about 250 full-time people, run marketing for a little over 500 different brands at this point, anywhere from large Fortune 500s down to little startups, everything in between.
2: Well, I mean, the rules around digital marketing, they're constantly changing the platforms you need to be on positioning yourself. What are you seeing in 2023? What kind of trends are changing in marketing?
4: Yeah, you know, I always say don't chase the shiny object. Like, you know, ARVR was super hot and everybody wanted that. And then it was crypto and blockchain and blockchains can invade everything. And I was like, guys, stop on the hype train. Like, everything's the gold rush. And finally... Uh, with AI, I actually think that the hype is validated. I think that there is an insane amount of stuff changing there. That being said, there's going to be a ton of noise and distractions. And all the people that are like, ChatGPT is going to replace all these jobs. It's like, it sounds like you wanted mediocre work to begin with. Like when someone's like, we're going to just get rid of all our content writers and use ChatGPT. It's like, and your content's going to suck. So congratulations. (laughs) You're going to have tons of mediocre content. Um, So it's augmenting and it's really helpful. Don't get me wrong. It's a cool tool, but it's still like you have to be careful not to like go all in because usually it doesn't work that way. It's the same way like given the show we're on. Uh, I think the prediction for a long time was that there would be no truck drivers
2: by 2025.
4: Well, <laughs> do do we think that's actually still the case? <laughs>
2: Yeah, so. I mean, it turns out, I mean, the tech is, they're, they're working on it, but obviously it's very, very lagging, and, and humans play a big role. You see these, are, and you're right, you see the marketers oversell, and they're like, this is great, you know, ChatGPT can write all your LinkedIn posts, but here's the thing people have to understand about marketing, and I know this from content. Content creation is great, but it means absolutely nothing without distribution. It means absolutely nothing without catching people's attention. And if everything looks like chat GPT, you're not going to catch anyone's attention. You're going to look like it's just going to be the new version of the very generic LinkedIn post that a lot of thought leaders put up. Yeah. Yep. And
4: that's exactly like, it's the same way, like when people are constantly getting all this attention on LinkedIn and they like get really fed by like this dopamine rush of like, oh, I got a bunch of likes. It's like, depending on who you are, but let's say you're a business owner looking for other business owners as customers, you're a B2B business. Those likes are probably not the highest common denominator. If you're posting sort of like, I remember the term that was uh, casted like seven years ago were brooms. the whole like, I was, you know, broke. And then I was walking down the street, and I saw this cat, and it was hungry. So I gave it some food. And then I went to an interview, and the cat was the CEO, and I got the job. And it's like, yeah, okay, like cool story probably didn't happen. And then they get tons of comments and likes, but those people are not business owners, nor their target. So it's this vanity metric that they think that they're making some sort of progress in business. And the truth is they're just in this echo chamber of all this crap. And that is what ChatGPT GPT is going to create too. If that's all the content you're creating, you're just going to all be you're throwing around all this ChatGPT GPT content, which by the way, inherently will hurt Great content because it's going to make it harder to find so there's going to be some shifts here but what i don't believe is that pumping out tons of chat GPT content is actually going to benefit your business what i do believe is it's going to hurt businesses that are doing great content so i don't know that there's a that that piece is going to be a benefit now there's other ways to leverage it and we're doing a lot with ai and i do again i want to what i started with was i believe that there's going to be a lot of uses here um and what we also believe we have an investment arm as well and we do a lot of investing in uh martech ecom tech all the technology that powers sort of online commerce and we believe like we shouldn't be investing in ai companies we should be investing in companies that are using ai like that it's kind of like investing in an internet company air quotes for those not watching but or investing in companies that utilize the internet like if you're a company that doesn't have a website you're probably broken. But the idea of like an all-encompassing bucket that is an AI company or an internet company, well, that's a little antiquated already.
2: You bring up a great point. Like, for example, for me, if I were to go to my sponsored, if I were to go to that side of the house and I go, hey, this TikTok we did did 150,000 views on like TikTok, you know, I could be all excited. I'll share it to them. And the first thing they'll say to me is, Can you tell me who those views are? Because yep. in industries, especially B2B, it doesn't matter. 150,000 doesn't matter. But if yep. you can say 5,000 of them are business owners or decision makers, that is a lot more yep. impactful than the 150,000. How can AI right. help there, though, making sure you're hitting the right targets?
4: Yeah, so that's and that's exactly what we're working on. And built, I mean, the nice thing is we launched Hawk AI, our software, um, September of last year, before the sort of hype train came. Like ChatGPT three hadn't come out yet, um, and so or hadn't been announced yet. So we've been working on this, and what we found is it really right now the way to use AI. I wouldn't trust it to make full decisions for you yet. I think, but leading you to a decision much faster is really where it is. So to your point. There's a lot of data out already available to tell you who you're, you know, who's watching these videos. Let's say it's 150,000, breaking it down to how many of those are actually your target and what is your target, et cetera. So instead of going and doing all that stuff manually, AI is at a point now where you literally can just query it and just be like, tell me how many people in that 150,000 are fit this category. They're business owners that operate at this much revenue, blah, 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 blah. And as long as the debt is available, it can go find that instantly versus You having to go dig into spreadsheets and figure that out and segment it which you know still should be pretty efficient but it's probably gonna take you a couple hours versus instant so this sort of analysis part of it is really what's being replaced very quickly and that's where i see the actual use for this and so what we built with hawk ai is we're basically digesting eight thousand companies marketing data in real time so that we can actually go to an individual company plug into all their marketing pretty quick within like 10 minutes we can plug into their Facebook ads or Google ads or email marketing, their revenue streams, et cetera, and go, this is where you're missing. Based on all the benchmarks, you're not spending enough money here. You're not doing a good job on your CPMs here. Your click-through rate here is bad. Your conversion rate here is bad. And actually identify exactly where the problems are, which is usually half the job of a marketer, is to go do all the analysis work to figure out where they need to double down and where they need to do better. And now we can just go, here's what you need to do and take that piece off the plate so that marketers can focus more on being
2: creative, more on executing and less on analysis. Wow. So where do you, where do you see this? Where do you see this going? Is this rapidly advancing or do we have to take sort of a measured approach? Like you mentioned, this isn't the kind of thing that's going to be super transformative when within a year.
4: Yeah, I'd say both. So, you know, technology's there in a lot of ways, but until it gets uh, utilized, it's going to take a long time to work out the kinks. And the the thing that everybody over o, always over anticipates is human adoption. You know, it's the 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 tech might work just fine, but how long it takes someone to go sign up, use it, learn it, integrate it, etc., and then tell their friends and they do it. Like it takes years and years and years for this to really permeate through the market, and so it's going to be a while. And then once that happens, then you learn more, you make adjustments, etc. So. I think it's important to pay attention to more than just about anything that's come out recently, because it it has such broad implications. But I also think that it will take a while for everyone to start using this stuff. Like right now, it's still the early adopters and the people that are preaching that this is going to change everything all the time, like, you know, that everyone's screwed. Like, that's my favorite is when. The new technology comes out and someone's like, oh, all jobs are gone. Robotics, all jobs are gone. Automated ordering, all jobs are gone. Automated driving, all jobs are gone. It's like, that's not what ends up happening. Historically, those jobs shift and they shift over time. We're not going to overnight have all driverless trucks. There will be some, then more, then more, then other companies will make the switch. And, you know, maybe in the next 10 to 20 years, there won't be as many truck drivers but there will need to be a need for more maintenance or more monitoring of those automated trucks or something that's going to create new jobs because with efficiency comes more capital, frankly, which opens up the ability to reinvest and to hire people to do different things. So your skill sets may need to change, but the idea that this will wipe out jobs completely, I don't think is a thing.
2: Hey, Eric, if someone wants to talk to you, someone like what they heard, they want to integrate some AI or they just need some help with their marketing and they want to know how it works this year, where do I send them to?
4: Yeah, just add or slash Eric Huberman on any social channel or hawkmedia.com. We're always happy to do a free marketing audit for someone. So we've been doing this a long time. We believe what goes around comes around. So happy to help. We're pretty open. Our mission is accessibility to great marketing. So we're the best at what we do, but really easy to work with.
2: And that's ne- what next, we stand by. Next time you go to Panama, bring me bring me with you on that plane you got over there. I, I, I think i would yeah. look good in one of those hats you had. Perfect. Yeah, they're easy to find down there. Oh wait, we we spun the stupid wheel. I, I I almost forgot to ask you if your last minor injury were to kill you, how would you die? Last minor injury. Uh, I
4: think I walked too much in Panama and hurt my foot. So walking. Oh, death by exhaustion.
2: <laughs> Not even exhaustion. It was oh. literally my foot hurts <laughs> death by Well, Eric, hey, I appreciate it, man. We'll catch up again in a few months. Thanks for coming by. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, okay, take care. All right, elsewhere. Uh- And apparently zookeepers. I think this is Cincinnati Zoo. They're trying to see what happens. When we can you tell Josh to do whatever you want. AI robot technology with uh, control of the robot. beast what? like a cat. Oh, like, and you if you watch that? this cheetah here, it's more with confused that? than anything. Yeah. Like, if you have cats, if you have a remote control car around them, they know it's not real because they can't smell it. But look at this cheetah. They're stalking. There's another one hiding out in the cut over there. And they're looking for a neck or something to bite on this thing, but it just doesn't have a neck. So cheetah's like, I don't know.
0: I don't know what I'm supposed to do.
2: Sheeta could use a meal, though. If you ordered a pizza, he could probably track it. All right, let's drop the video and let's welcome our next guest, the esteemed Carl Bensel, commissioner at the Federal Maritime Commission. Look, little cowbell for this gentleman. Thank you for coming on the show
0: today. I got a cowbell. I I, I really appreciate that. I was fearful that I wouldn't get it. So uh, thank you for that.
2: Well, you know, I I, see, I I know you a little bit. So I know you're not, you're not super, super like serious tight, although you wrote a very serious report. I know you've worked very hard on the maritime transportation data initiative. And it's funny because right before you came on here, that was a big topic with each guest in each segment was that sharing of data and knowing where things are in supply chain. It's very difficult because we have a lot of partners. It's very fragmented, but Carl, tell us a little bit. What are you looking into here? What was the report about?
0: So we started a, a couple of years ago during the beginning of the pandemic, and we opened up a, a series of, uh, of meetings, hearings uh, regularly uh, on Wednesday. And we we asked all aspects of the of the industry. You know, what sort of information do you get? What what sort of information would you like to receive? Uh, how is the how is that provided to you? And is there difference differences between imports or exports? And essentially. Uh, came up with a report uh, uh, that uh, you you, you have now, and we're in the process of making publicly available for comment. But it makes recommendations that we need standards, federal standards uh, for uh, communication of information. Um, You know, if you wanted to find out how to ship something five months in advance from China, right now you'd go to an ocean carrier's website and you'd probably get a picture of uh, China on one side and the United States on the other, and it would say it has it will take 32 days to get from this spot to another spot. And if you looked at a picture of a of a ship, which you could see in the, the Pacific, it would be a dot, and you could watch it for two or th- or three days before you even saw when it it, it move uh, appreciably. So we really have a lot of issues. And as I say, uh, you know, I can order a pizza from Domino's and get it. Uh, I know when it comes out of the oven. I know when it gets to your doorstep, I can see who my driver is. They usually take a picture of it. Uh, but we are not where a pizza delivery service is with the movement of millions and millions of dollars of rate. So uh, it's well, right. Let's talk about that. Like, hold on.
2: Before we go too deep, what what is the pizza test? Because this was this was in your letter. It's that Domino's <laughs> yeah. thing, right? Because you hear this in supply chain. People go, why is it that? I can order a pizza, and I get, like, when it's put in the oven, when it's put in the box, when it's handed to the driver, where the driver is via GPS, and, of course, then, like, even a text when they show up at the door.
0: It's it's what they do to sell their product, and, and it's not what we've done in the, in the transportation segment, despite being mil- billions of dollars of cargo that— Trillions, $1.5 trillion of uh, international shipments, uh, containerized shipments go through our ports. And uh, we have a a pretty uh, ad hoc system of providing information. You might get good information, but you don't uh, all the time. And we need to come up with standards uh, that will allow you to know where your cargo is, when it's going to get here, and, uh, and standardize the terminology that we use in describing it.
2: Now, Carl, to play devil's advocate, though, so with Domino's, you've got, like, a 1PL, right? So Domino's (laughs) has the pizza. They take the—they control everything. But when I booked freight at a 3PL, when I was at, like, FedEx Trade Networks, for example, what I would have to do when I was doing an entry was I would have to go to an agent, and I would have to be like, hey, we've got this booking, and I would transmit the booking, and then um, 30 days or 25 days later, I get an arrival notice. I put the entry into my duplex system. I put that through to customs. Then I've got—then that clears customs. Then I've got to go to a delivery—you know, the delivery companies— Send them at Dio, Who's another company? So I have all of these different parties. So it's a little harder to get the data when you're looking into the report. How do you how do you make that gap better?
0: You're right. It is a complex uh, system of delivery. Probably in the United States, we have the most complex system of delivery uh, that exists uh, on on Earth. Uh, uh, so I, you know, we we need to look at each segment of the industry and what they do and how they provide information. So the recommendations are segregated uh, between ocean carriers, uh, the marine terminal operators, ports, uh, the intermodal carriers, rail carriers. So they all have uh, different requirements that we're recommending uh, and a system of how to deliver information. As you said, sometimes you would get information from different sources. Well, we need to make sure that the information that is, that is provided through that system of, uh, of information is from the, right, uh, from the right entity. You know, if, it's, if you're an ocean carrier and you're telling about uh, how to, uh, what a terminal is doing, you might not know what that terminal is doing. So we need to source information appropriately, and it needs to come from all elements of the transaction.
2: Now when I read the report uh and we should talk a little bit about the methodology here how many participants did you talk to and what were you trying to learn from them
0: So we had 80 different participants uh we met uh it's uh, available online www.fmc.gov and it's uh, there's a segment on the MTDI so we we taped everything just the way we're taping today and, and we tried, we, we talked to ocean carriers, we talked to uh, trucking uh, companies, drainage trucking companies, marine terminal operators, integrators, aggregators, uh, distribution uh, uh, companies, uh, uh, shippers, uh, so railroads. We tried to talk to everybody in the, the entire supply chain to get their views on uh, on the sort of information that they needed to do their job
2: what did you find out from them? What was the biggest issues that they were dealing with in terms of integration and having this, um, availability? And, you know, perhaps some of them don't want that much information out there.
0: So, so we, we, we learned a couple of things. There's pretty decent information. The volume of information, isn't the problem. It's really how it's formatted, when it's provided and what sort of information is provided. Uh, you know, if you cannot tell when a ship is going to arrive at U.S. port, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make the information that you can see the ship uh, uh, valuable. You need to know when it's going to get in. So, so you really had decent information, uh, but it's how it's formatted, what the structure of delivery is, uh, when it's made available, who it's made available to. So more, more people needed to know. Uh, Better information from each different source. So, uh, uh, what the effort, the recommendation is to is to use existing uh, data information systems and and to formalize the process of providing uh, that information to make it real time estimated uh, deliveries and, and to and to uh, standardize the process uh, of describing the movement of of cargo.
2: Yeah, you ask for a mtds a maritime transportation data system in this report how would that work
0: so tim uh what we're looking at right now is my recommendations i'm talking to my chairman at the fmc about uh uh, allowing some sort of public comment process so everybody can comment on what, uh, what I've recommended through the Maritime Transportation Data Initiative. So we'll get some uh, public comment process going. Uh, and then uh, the recommendation calls for a system of information and, and harmonization of, of these uh, information requirements going forward. So uh, if uh, if after looking at it, the public is supportive of this process, I will be uh, advocating uh, public standards, federal standards for information formatting for uh, ocean the supply chain.
2: Now, I don't mean to throw any shade here, but I used to do CTPAT entries, right? And I remember the portal for that was a bit antiquated. Uh, Is there any pushback that like would this, what would this portal look like that the maritime data transfer uh, system? How would that how would that how would I interact with that if I was a shipper or a broker or a carrier?
0: So we are not advocating a federal system here, but harmonization of the requirements for each segment of the industry. So what the requirements would be that each ocean carrier and each terminal would have this information available, each railroad. And we do recommend uh, that the that the port authorities that provide service uh, uh, serve as a repository for all of the uh, systems that go into that port. So you would be able to look at each port of entry that would be subject to the recommendations, which is basically our large container port uh, complex. And at each port, you would get access to all of the services that are provided in, in shipping, uh, both with respect to ocean carriers, the terminals, uh, and and the uh, and the railroads that serve that particular port complex, in addition, we recommend it, uh, a process be set up at, at all of these ports that we would issue guidance on on how the ports coordinate information and services that are integral to their to their port uh, uh, complex. So it's basically a recommendation for a system of information. For uh, intermodal shipping,
2: to to achieve sustainability, you have to be efficient, right? And your report talks a little bit about sustainability. What does that mean to the data side of it?
0: So, I mean, it, you, we waste so much uh, time and energy, and uh, and and emit so many uh, emissions uh, that could have been uh, that could have been avoided if we had a better system of information. So, a trucker. Uh, uh, Will often go to a a, a port complex, a, a terminal, to pick up something, and they get information that they are only they're not taking empty containers back that day. So they wait in line uh, an hour or two and find out a, a, a new restriction's been put in place. Well, we have to have that information in advance, avoid that movement. Know what the appointments process is uh, to to get secure appointments at terminals. We have to know that you're not arriving at a port with a load of apples in a refrigerated uh, 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 container uh, looking for a ship that's not there. It's just it's a it's a waste of uh, energy, uh, productivity, and it makes everyone's uh, lives in the transportation world uh, just. Uh, uh, difficult and and we're going to drive people from this industry unless we have better information ah what
2: a great say. Hey, I'll give you a little cowbell for that statement. That's, that's a great <laughs> one. Well, you know, the, you started this report because of the pandemic, right? And the, the hell on earth or the hell on water that that was at so many ports and nobody knew where their freight was. And we heard the demurrage charges, right? And the detention charges. And there were so many. And the chassis. And there were so many issues, especially with the drayage community and ocean. It's changed a little bit. I mean, the rates are bad now, but it's opened up a bit. When you look at ocean freight now, what do you see and how are you strategizing?
0: So I mean I it is it's better than it was I mean rates have gone down services have returned to normal but this is not a new issue we've had this issue before multiple multiple times I think when the Hanjin shipping line bankruptcy occurred there was dislocation there's just not a lot of room at our major port complexes so uh so my hope would be if we can get something up set up in advance, uh, the next wave of, of cargo that occurs as a result of trade or 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 of, of uh, economic dislocation or force majeure events that will be in a better position to be responsive to it, to to avoid it to to a better extent. So we need to anticipate the the congestion that will occur at some point in the future and have a system in place, and and it, it wouldn't cost. Uh, that much to set up a system of harnessing the existing information in a way that's uh, that's appropriate and can help the industry uh, be more efficient.
2: Does anything keep you up at night right now thinking about it in this space?
0: Yeah, there is not a lot of room in, in the transportation uh, world for enhancements, infrastructure. So we need to do things more effectively, uh, utilizing technology, But the thing that keeps me up is uh, my awareness of how important truckers and railroads and ocean shipping companies and terminals and longshoremen are to our economy. Um, Inflation uh, was the result of congestion and our reliance as as a nation on a supply chain that is incredibly complex and requires each segment of the industry to work like a in, intricate ballet of uh, of moves. And so, how do we how do we keep that going um, uh, with with uh, the multitude of actors that are out there? So that keeps me up. You know, it it is our reliance as a nation economically on this supply chain, uh, probably more than. Then you guys know it. You you know it. But but I don't think that the U.S. public understands how critical it is uh, uh, to our nation.
2: Afraid is the blood flow in the economy. I mean, those are the goods that are moving. That's the money that's moving. That's the trade that is happening. It's the fundamental underlying thing that that empowers uh, what we do around here. Um People want to read the report. They want to comment on the report. They maybe want to challenge the report. They want to learn from what you've put out there. How do they get it?
0: So uh, it's available on my website right now uh, at the FMC. So www.fmc.gov. And uh, it's on, there's a commissioner's page and each one of the commissioners has a a sub uh, webpage. Uh, and so uh, you can get it off my uh, website directly and read it and comment out on it. I'm also working with my chairman about setting up a process that we will formally be uh, soliciting uh, comments on this. I think it's too important not to get a lot of input uh, and do this uh, right. Uh, it, it, but uh, I'm firmly committed uh to the proposition that we should have a federal standard, uh, f- for the dissemination of information to, uh, to make it, uh, better for everyone, uh, uh, going forward. It's just too much economic, um, interest at stake not to do it.
2: Little cowboy for that. I agree with you 100%, Carl. Now, you know, I told you I wasn't going to treat you any differently. So before you go, I spun the wheel of stupid questions. The question of the day is your last minor injury is the end of you. How did you die?
0: Well, I uh, garden a lot. I was cutting branches off with a small chainsaw in my backyard. So undoubtedly, uh, I would bleed to death after cutting off a, a limb as, as I was uh, trimming, pruning trees. So that's, uh, that's my death.
2: We hope not, Carl. We hope not. Anyways, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Don't be a stranger and come to me again with more of these initiatives. I'd love to talk about them.
0: Tim, you're a great show. Keep on doing uh, what you're doing. I, I enjoy uh, watching you. So uh, we, we need to have more lively dis- uh, discourse in the transportation world. So
2: I think so. I think so. I know the Drake community wants to talk about the electrification. So maybe we can set something up about that in the, in the future.
0: Happy to do it. Anytime. Very
2: cool. Thank you, Carl. I appreciate your time. Take care. Hey, good stuff out of him. All right, let's round it out today. What do we got? Let's take a look at n- nature's lumpers over here see armadillo in action now apparently armadillos um they they do what i do at the grocery store they grab the basket instead of the cart and they end up piling everything against their chest this armadillo here is picking up leaves to go and put it over in its uh its little hovel could you get those instead of a instead of a rake (laughs) speaking of electrocation what if you get body shamed by your tesla take a look at this
0: tesla what?
2: move <laughs> they're in their garage. You?
0: No, it didn't. I'm a truck. You, it was. I'm a truck.
2: There's a the guy over to the left. I'm a
0: truck. <laughs>
2: Beautiful <laughs> stuff. Beautiful stuff. Now, before we let y'all go, let's look. We, you know, Carl mentioned the symphony of supply chain. Let's see that symphony in action and what makes some excellent, excellent tarp work. Let's take a look at Joe Seppi's tarping in action. Oh my gosh. We just need some like idyllic music playing as as this goes on. I might need a cigarette after this. It's making me hot. Dave Lazarus says, a guy who knows what he's doing for a change. So many of the bad ones on video. Nice to see one who cares. Nate Remston Nate Ramsden says Joe Seppi is a fantastic follow on TikTok. Very professional and some excellent content. Jake Noble says Around 15 seconds left, that forklift fork came out, and I was expecting him to be like, wait, we forgot one. Ooh, that would be, uh, that would be heartbreaking. You saw that one there. Robert T. Vaden says, this is how it's done. This is how you get it done. William Kerr over at Edge Logistics, he says, if you really love freight, you watch this until the end. Who would take their eyes away from that? Ian Weiland said, wrapped like a Macy's gift Present, he's never seen better. Andrew Bryant, yes, sir. Finally, looks like the type of strapping I do superb job. Steve Burrington said, took us to school. Man, who truly cares. Latham Woodward, that guy is a hero. Justin Shepard says, when you take into account that those tarps weigh 100 pounds, it gives even more appreciation. We test flatbed drivers every day and they have to lift those as part of the test. They're serious, that's seriously hard work. He should be proud, but I guarantee he simply thinks he's doing his job well. Paul McClellan, he says, Joe is the king of strap work. I give this one a 20 out of 10. Joseph M. Meaton DOT Compliance Safety Association says, Professional CDL drivers, master and commander of their ship, the driver is like a NASCAR rock star to me. I highly value professional CDL drivers like this man. I give them every credit when I run into them during my DOT compliance work with private and government entities. It's the CDL driver that doesn't value their job that I could care less about. Mike Williams says... I had to have a rest after watching that. I've done a bit of tarping myself back in the day. I don't miss it. Less less Travel Path said, I already know I would hate tarping. And Green horde Trucker says, Giuseppe is damn good at tarping. He likes horrible sports teams, but I don't know if we should hold that against him. All right, that was beautiful, beautiful tarp work, but what happens if you don't do such a great job? Let's take a look at this video here. Now what you're seeing is a truck driving down the highway and a, a tarp is flapping off the top of it It comes loose, and what you see is the tarp crash into a tanker, and these two guys miraculously are able to get up. Now, a lot of people were like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Were they on top of the truck? No, so look to your left here as this is replaying. There's two guys riding buck on a motorcycle. The tarp covers them like a Scooby-Doo ghost. They can't see anything. The guy goes to his left, hits the tanker truck, and miraculously they both landed just fine and heads up play by the guy with the dash cam who saw this all happening. These guys went right into his lane. He could have ran their head over, but no, he makes the stop. And you couldn't ask for a better outcome for getting hit with a tarpaulier on a motorcycle. Now when I'm driving my stupid Vespa, I gotta, I gotta be aware of these kind of things. Why do you put complexes in my head? Also, you know what movie series they need to bring back? Final Destination. What is wrong with you people? There's so many new ways to have people die. What was my last minor injury? I would die of, like, a stubbed toe. It's horrible. I'm so glad that uh, I have survived those things. Anyway, thank you for joining me on What the Truck, this show that happens Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live at noon Eastern time on FreightWaves TV. Uh, actually, FreightWaves TV's Twitter now, too. Go over there. You can stream that. Or you don't want to make an appointment with your TV. Who does? Watch it on demand. Go to FreightWaves YouTube. If you like audio, it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Hey, find us on the TikTok, on the Twitter, wherever you go, at FW What the FWWhatTheTruck by me, at Timothy Dooner, that's D-O-O-N-E-R.
0: Take care, and don't be a stranger.